Hello and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today is not our full-time Liverpool reporter, both home and away, James Pearce. He is once again is away, although good news everybody, he's going to be back working tomorrow. Yeah, m- missed Man City Ian, which is very yeah. suspicious. Yes. Pierce, what did Pearce know? Yes, <laughs> as, as you can probably tell from his booming voice and the voice that he's been told it's a bit too booming, I believe, Andy. I've, I've actually moved further away from the microphone <laughs> in the hope that uh, people will stop being annoyed by me. Uh, joining me then is LFC editor Andrew Kelly and also we have with us Echo Reporter Joe Rimmer. Hi, Joe. My, my voice isn't booming enough, so I'm moving very close to the microphone <laughs> so that you can all hear me. We say microphone, it's actually yeah. my mobile phone. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I was at, with no James there, me and Neil were at uh, the Etihad on Saturday. We got to see the delights of a five-goal thriller. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, all five goals went into Liverpool's uh, net. Uh, Andy, you were watching on television back in the office. I mean, what did you make of it all? It seemed to me as though the minute that the the red card is given to Sadio Mane, the game's up. But even before then, Liverpool weren't particularly at their best, were they? No, no, but I don't think Man City were at their best. I think I thought the whole first 20 minutes of the game were really strange. Um, Joe and I you know, were watching here. We were working hard in the office. Yeah. Uh, uh, putting in all We were all working hard. Yeah. We just happened to be watching the game at different <laughs> locations. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I was running the match blog here. Um, and... It just had a really weird situation. In if you look at that one-all game last season at the Etihad, it was just sort of like exhibition of free-flowing football. And I thought both sides were nervous of each other. I think they were both aware of what the other one could do to it. Liverpool obviously had opportunities to score. Um, there was there was obviously um, several times when they caused problems for Otamendi down that side. Um, Mane and Salah looked like they would cause some problems for the rest of the afternoon, but there was a little bit of failure to convert opportunities and City obviously looked dangerous the other way so it was almost like a, this sort of false war that first 20 minutes and then I think I said to Joe during the game so this is a game where the first goal is going to be absolutely vital because either of these sides can pick you apart if, if, if you're trying to chase a game and um, City City got it with a you know a nicely taken goal but you know a really soft goal for Liverpool to concede to be able to play a straight ball like that straight through your, your I mean, defence. I mean, Joe, you were at the, that one-all game back in March that, yeah, that Andy yeah. mentions. I mean, it was a completely different scenario, really, because that was kind of, you know, the teams were both bedded in, well bedded in for the season. They knew how they were going to be playing. Yeah. They were in, both of them were in pretty good form at the time. Whereas this time round, it's come off the back of a international break and as much as, you know, people say like, oh, they're just playing football, but they do, you know, they do a lot of travelling. They are in a different environment and, you know, they're coming back and playing what? is a very important game, isn't it? Yeah, they probably didn't have as much time to uh, to prepare on the training ground. Uh, and that goes for both sides. And I think it was a little bit more, translated into a bit more of a scrappy game um, to open. Uh, there were still lots of chances. It was still open like we like we expected it to be. I think both teams could have scored a couple of goals before the first one went in. And then um, the sending off completely changed the complexion of it. And Liverpool, you know, almost just throw, threw in the towel after that. Um, but yeah... It's just, do, you think, do you think Liverpool actually did throw in the towel? Because I wrote something, excited the analysis, and I wrote something that that's the one thing Klopp would have been worried about, is the way that they just seemed to not give up, but they just kind of went yeah. missing, didn't they? Maybe not throw in the towel is the, is the right um, right words for it, but I would say that this team, this this Liverpool side, is not set up to manage a game. It, it's, sort of, it's all chaos, isn't it? So you, you know with this team that they can always score goals, but when you go a goal down and you're playing a team as good as City are, they just turned the screw on Liverpool and, and they just really did a job on them. 
there, there were signs at one nil in that Liverpool could get back into the game. Um, Salah had a big chance, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, um, he did that open out his body thing again and makes it so obvious for a goalkeeper where he's going to go. And he has scored a lot of goals that way. He scored a lot of goals for Roma that way. But he, you know, clearly, and he'll haven't scored so many. He'll know himself that. When he finishes like that, you almost have to start the ball just outside the far post, don't you, for it to curl back in? And he's just been putting it sort of too safe, closer to the centre of the goal. So um, Liverpool could have got back in it, but when we go to this pivotal moment of the match in terms of the sending off, at that stage it's one nil to Manchester City. Now, a team, and I wrote something yesterday about how Liverpool failed to manage the game from then on, and the first eight minutes to half time, the the crucial bit. Um, is to get to half time um, at 1 0. And it ended up being a, a series of keep ball from City at, at that point. And um, they have a goal disallowed with a cross from the right where the defendants know where, albeit that they held the line and played them offside correctly. And then you get the, the goal from um, from Jesus. And, and if you look at that, that, that goal, there's, there's three Liverpool players. It comes from a cross from the City left. And there's three Liverpool players out there, um, Salah, Alexander-Arnold and Chan. And there's two City players, Mendy and De Bruyne. And um, there's just this lack of communication because Trent thinks he's got to take Mendy and goes towards him. But Salah's sort of already there. Chan thinks, sees that Salah's near Mendy. So he sort of leaves De Bruyne, who's running behind, to Trent, who isn't there. And, and and Chan sort of just doesn't really do anything because he thinks the other two have it have it mopped up. So there's this terrible Liverpool had the numbers there to stop that cross coming in, and obviously Trent's playing catch up on De Bruyne, who turns him and is able to put in a lovely cross, and and, and you're two 0 down at that point. For me, Jurgen Klopp declared, didn't he? Yeah. He, he, mm-hmm. Everything you needed to know. His he sent a message to his team, and it may have been it may have been a realistic message that at two 0 down with 10 men against Manchester City side like this, who can just keep the ball, we're not getting anything from this game. And removal of Salah was him saying that to his team. So you've got to put that into your judgments, I suppose, in terms of the second half performance. But I would have liked to have seen more bite. Um, and at, at 2-0 down, your only chance into the game is to dog it, scrap it out, and hope you get a set piece. And if you get one you might make them a little bit nervous. Uh, oh, my word, we're 2-0 up with 10, 10 men, and suddenly this, this isn't certain. But it didn't feel like there was any belief in the Liverpool team that they might be able to achieve that. I mean, Joe, you mentioned then about game management and mm-hmm. that this team seems to want to generate chaos. If you look towards the end of last season, there was a lot of games, certainly look at away at West Brom and away at Watford, where Liverpool did dog it out and got the 1-0 and kept the clean sheets and, and, and managed to do the job that an awful lot of other teams, you know, the old prerequisite of a good team is to go to these places and get results like that. But would you agree that this, given the squad that they've got now, with you know, Lucas has gone primarily, mm-hmm. and they don't really have what could be considered a defensive midfielder and Klopp's never really been that fussed about it, if we're being, again, being perfectly honest. But do you think Liverpool do actually need, not because they can't change the team now, but do they need to learn how to find a way to play whereby they can control games better because as Andy just said then the 2-0 down against Man City the only thing they could have done really they were never going to be able to go for it it's no. bad enough you know when you're playing against City with 11 men if you try and take them on toe to toe but if you've only got 10 you've got no chance and Liverpool 
ended up losing 5-0 and we're all sat here, you know, supporters are all gloom and doom, we're sat here going, what's gone on? How can a team lose 5-0 to one of their main rivals? Yeah, well, I think, I do think it's important that you, look, you don't you don't want to get beat 5-0 away at a rival like that very often. We see, I, I personally always criticise Arsenal, think it happens far too often yeah. to them. And it becomes embarrassing, and, it, and teams don't take you seriously by that. By the point you've you've had it done two or three times, so Liverpool need to make sure that doesn't happen again. You know, if Klopp's here for five or six years, it might happen once, maybe twice in his whole tenure, but that can't happen. And I, I would argue that, say, a Rafa Benitez team would have gone down to ten men against a team like City. I remember them going down to ten men away at Man United, and they would have lost two or three nil. But he would have made sure that it didn't get embarrassing. He would have. So they the got beat 4-0 that day, actually, didn't they? No, the 3-0 was the Mascherano. They got beat 4-0. That, that was Hule, wasn't it? When the sort of oh, was that Hule? Was it? Yeah, when oh. Hippie got sent off early doors, didn't he? It was a long time ago. Yeah, it was then, a yeah. long, long time ago. Yeah, but but you, you need to be able to manage those games. You need to be able to, to show that you can get through it. And even if you get beat, keep the score down. Keep things respectable. What the game also should have been is, and it's 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 not any great revelation to anyone who's watched Liverpool over the last year, but how important Mane now is to how they play. Because paint a scenario where that's Firmino going for that ball and he clatters the keeper and he's off. I think there's a fair proportion the Liverpool support would still sort of fancy that Salah and Mane up front could probably have caused some damage and mm-hmm. certainly would have been a bigger threat than what was left. And there's a way of playing where presumably... Clock could have kept the, the rest of the whole side really compact and just essentially let Mane and Salah chase long balls and try and cause some problems that way. Um, but as it turned out, it was the worst possible man to be sent off for Liverpool, not just because of how good a player he is and how important a player he is for Liverpool, but because he's the ideal player who could potentially equalise being a man short by his ability to take people on and use his pace. Well, we've mentioned it a few times now, so we may as well address the matter of whether or not it was a red card. I mean, at the time, my initial thought was, no, it wasn't. And looking at it again, you can't argue with the fact he's just belted him in the face. The keeper was obviously being very brave, coming out of his area. It's a strange one, really, because I think it's a generational thing whereby people, let's be honest, me and Andy's age, were probably thinking, you know, it's a foul, but I don't think it's a red card because he's not meant it. But then... People of a younger generation who who aren't used to perhaps contact quite as often as, as in the old days would go. Well, he's kicked him in the face. It's got to be a red card. I mean, what's your take on it, Joe? I I can't pick my mind up honestly. I, I've, initially, straight away, like like most people, I thought what an absolute joke. It's a terrible decision. You see it again and again. And you see the impact, and you think, well, is it wild? Has he got his foot in a in a sort of too high a position? And then, but then I think, well, what else was he meant to do in that situation? Mm. He has to chase that ball down. He can't go with his head, and it is just an accidental collision. And if he had not, like we saw yesterday with, with Matt Ritchie, if he had not really made contact, um, he wouldn't have been sent off, would he? But then, isn't that the key? The key thing there is intent or not. He made contact. It was dangerous. He put another player in danger. So perhaps it is a red card. And you, you can probably ask me ten times, and I can, I'll keep saying the opposite thing because I really just can't make my mind up but yeah I, I can see the arguments to either way the weird thing is if that had happened in the centre the central midfield and it was Manny on another player well Manny would have been sent off straight away and no one would have really argued too much but then the argument would therefore be he would never have done that had yeah, he been yeah. in midfield because he'd known that the player would have been coming out he probably wasn't expecting the keeper to come out and try and head it I think he knew but the keeper was coming because the reason he tries to take the ball so high in 
in the air is that he's trying to nick in yeah, before yeah. before somebody else, yeah, and that can yeah. only be the keeper in that style. Well, if, if, he's if he gets through, there first, it's a goal. It's, it's, if he gets there first, the keeper's getting sent off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's why people say it's an accident and he's got unlucky. But the facts are that I mean, I put on the match blog. John Moss has ruined this game with a terrible decision straight away. And apologies, Mr. Moss, I've changed my mind. Mm. Um, I think looking at it. It's very difficult to say somebody ultimately whose foot ends up kicking the goalkeeper in the in the face. Um, that can happen, obviously, on a low slidey in challenge and things like that, but mm. a little bit less dangerous. But he's his foot's hit him on the face, and I think, albeit unlucky, and I think nobody thinks Mane tried to do it. Of course, he didn't. He was trying to score a goal. I think you have to accept it. It's it's a red card, and 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 as I say, it just shows the difficulty for referees, and indeed, as and when you know video replay becomes more widespread. In well, let's not mention video. No, replay. but no, but what I'm saying is, it's important because it is going to become part of the game, and it it's not going to solve everything because there will still be decisions where you can see what's happened, but your interpretation of it, of of different people, different ages. Different viewpoints can still be can still be different. I'd point out that 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 probably now what comes in and what becomes more important is not so much that he got sent off in the game. We we probably now agree more than likely he, he did deserve a red card, but does he deserve a three game ban for violent conduct? Because that that's what you'd see. If someone we'll, elbowed we'll, someone. We'll that that old decision will come out. Yeah, late, it'll late, come out later, later today. Uh, but I think it's probably a fair point that the referee or the FA. I think it's the referee through his reports. He mm-hmm. does have the option to say well it's only worth one and perhaps that might be a way around it you know it's yeah. a, so therefore the player it's acknowledging the fact that yeah it's a red card offense but also then saying well he didn't actually mean to do it in any yeah. way yeah. shape or form so just the one game would do because technically it's two games because he was missing for most of the game against City and that's what cost Liverpool yeah. it'd, be, it'd be interesting I'm not quite sure when I think they do it fairly quickly write their reports referees and uh, I don't know if Mr Moss may, may still be aware of lots of people um, yeah. criticising decision and almost trying to justify it in his report mm. by just he talking he it all. He shouldn't have to justify it, really. He's made the decision. No, exactly. But um, hopefully he can you know, put in some words that suggest it happened, he was unlucky. It's a definite red card, but I don't believe there was any uh, intention and a one-game ban would do it. I'm not sure whether you saw the quotes from Kevin De Bruyne after the game. He said that Mane deserved to go because of the severity of the injury to, to Edison, but that, that's, to that, that shouldn't have anything to do with it, should it? No, I mean, he's had a wonderful Saturday, Kevin De Bruyne. What, I mean, what a game he played. We've spoken about him on the pod loads of times, about how much we love him as a player. And unfortunately, on this occasion, Liverpool have been on the receiving end of it. Um, obviously, the fact that he had more space, if you give players like him space, they, they'll, they'll kill you. And he was, he was marvellous. Um, but he's, he's got that wrong. You know, two, you can have a terrible, terrible injury on two people going for a completely fair challenge. And it's just one of those things that um, that happens. And that It would have been interesting in the scenario, and it's not it's unlikely to have happened given that he did take a blow to the face. But if, if the keeper would, hadn't sort of been so hurt and actually mm. had jumped back up, whether the referee's sort of inclination towards the Reds might have been stayed a little bit and he might have thought, it's a yellow, and let's keep keep. Well, it's, it's, it was one of the one of those I thought. In any case, where if you'd have given a yellow card, I don't think anybody would have been saying screaming for a red, would they? I think it's one where 
people then look at it after the event like you yeah. have and then mm. looked at it and gone, well, actually, maybe, maybe been right. Well, I think Danilo was screaming for a red because yeah, he, he, he got the round the keeper and around the referee. He's always going to do that respect. But you're right in the sense people afterwards, I think, would have looked at it and said, that's a red card because of the way he hit him. But like you say, I don't think initially... I think I think most of us expected the yellow mm. when the referee went to his pocket. I started to su- suspect that there was something more severe coming, but when he initially gave the free kick, I thought he was going to get booked here. But yeah, I don't think anyone would have been complaining had it been a yellow. Now we just mentioned before about uh, the lack of preparation time for Liverpool ahead of this game, uh, the game against City, including City as well. But this is going to be something that's going to be happening to Liverpool all the time now because they're now playing. Okay, they already have been playing Saturday midweek, Saturday weekends, whatever. They're playing in midweek all the way through to the next international break now. And, and if they progress as they want to do in the League Cup, they'll be playing every midweek again all the way through to Christmas. And we know how busy that is. So it's it's going to be non-stop now. So they're not going to have the same amount of time to prepare for games that they had last season. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why they needed to improve the squad. And there's been debates. For me, the squad's definitely better. But did they go far enough? And that's why the debate will, will continue over the next few weeks. Um, you saw on Saturday that... Um, Lovren had played more international football than Clavan and Klopp's words had felt the intensity a bit and he, he put uh, Clavan in now it would have been a big big help for um, Klopp looking in terms of how he juggles his, his resources in that position over the next few weeks that Clavan had come in and had a good game and in fact yeah, he wasn't alone but he certainly had a very poor game you had um, probably Trent Alexander-Arnold's Hardest game in a Liverpool shirt. You know he'll need to learn lessons from um, from Saturday. Um, he, you know, had had a difficult situation. I mean, they, they highlighted Mendy's performance on match of the day. I think it was, but the the, the problem was it was you know he he had Mendy, De Bruyne, and sometimes Jesus over that side as well. He had he had a lot on his hands. I don't think well, he City got... City did an number on him yeah. really a little bit because it was before the game. You may have said, "Oh, Moreno's playing," but none of none of City's goals came down Liverpool's left, did they? Any that came from out wide were down down the right hand side. No, but I mean, came could, through the middle. You could look at the second goal though. Obviously, I've gone through what happened in terms of letting the cross go 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 across. But if you look at what Moreno's doing, there's there's Silva and Jesus arriving at the back post, and Moreno just lets them go. Um, you know, they only get sort of like a yard goal side of him, but. Um, that's more than enough, and if Jesus doesn't put that in, Silva puts it in, and you can say, oh well, Moreno's smallest chap, he's not going to be, you know, challenging in the air, but he's no, he's no smaller than Silva. Exactly, yeah. like, yeah. Look how high Silva gets; it's no, um, you know, he's at height to head the ball. So Moreno, you know, with a bit more a better position and could have had an impact, but it's it's not a bashing Alberto Moreno or Trent, but essentially several in the defence had had a difficult game. The keeper didn't cover himself in glory, did he, really? I mean, he made one very good save sprawling across his goal. He made a couple of good saves, to be fair. Uh, saved one from Stones, but you'd expect him to from the, from the corner. Um, but um, that makes it now difficult for Klopp to juggle those resources in terms of, you know, if they come in and have a steady game, then he's got, well, I can play, bring Lovren back in for Sevilla, and if I, fa- if I fancy it, I can bring, I'll bring Clavan back now into Burnley. He, he, he will still have to do that, but he'll do it with more with his fingers crossed than he than he would have with if they'd got good solid performances and when you you put them on the team sheet with a bit more confidence. Joe, were you a little bit surprised with the the lineup in defence? Let's take the the Clavan situation out because if Lovren's not fully fit, then he, he's never going to play. 
but Moreno at left back and Trent at right back. I know we spoke about it on, uh, I think it was last Thursday, we were trying to select our teams. I think I went with Milner and Gomez, the complete opposite to what, yeah, what was selected. Yeah. I thought, you know, Milner, going back to his old club, he's, he's, you know, I think you mentioned as well that he's quite solid, he'd have done a decent mm. job. Gomez, the same thing, there wasn't enough reason for him not to play after he played against Arsenal. Yeah, I definitely think the, the Gomez was the one that I, I, I thought before the game. He played well against Arsenal, he was solid, defensively very sound. Um, and that's where I, you know I think he should have played against Man City. I think putting Trent back in, I think Trent's exceptional going forward. But I think away to Man City, you've got to you've got to realise that they will do a number on you. They'll overload. They've got exceptional fullbacks and and such good attacking players. And um, and Trent did have his hands full. I don't I don't like to point the fingers after a game like that because ultimately, who who on that pitch did play well? You know, for Liverpool, pretty much everyone. Um, sort of struggled but Man City I do think they will have been well aware that Liverpool had an 18 year old right back and they will have targeted him and it's it's what a really good professional team will do isn't it and an experienced side so had they gone for Gomez um, but we'll never know you know Gomez is also a young lad so it's not like putting in a really experienced guy they would have put in another young lad and chances are City would have targeted him as well so we won't know whether it would make any difference personally as well though I'd still play Trent on Wednesday night and try and get him through this because you don't want him to dwell on on performance like that. Um, Andy, it wasn't just um, as I mentioned Trent then and Moreno. Me, you wrote something um, yesterday talking about the midfield. Jurgen Klopp spoke as well after the game to the uh, to the national newspapers, and he also mentioned kind of in passing that it was the midfield didn't close down well enough, certainly for City's first goal and presumably for the, the third goal as well. I mean, I think you came up with some stat that I think Liverpool's midfield made a combined total of two tackles between them and one of them could have been when Emre Chen was playing at centre-back it, it could have been yeah I mean it's you know you've got stats and you can interpret them whatever way you want but of the star in midfield the tackle count successful tackle count this is by the way was Henderson none when Alden won Chan won as you say the Chan won I'm not sure whether it came well, as a midfielder when he dropped into the back back three um, that doesn't count Files when they've got mm. stuff, and in fact, I was watching the game back this morning, and uh, actually Jordan Henderson late in the first half makes a perfectly decent challenge on John Stones and wins the ball. That was just given, on, on the centre, so yeah, on the centre yeah, spherical, yeah. and it's given us a free kick. So it still goes down as a foul in the stats. So maybe being a little harsh on Jordan, he did get one tackle in there, but um, <laughs> it doesn't feel enough. I mean, overall, Liverpool made fifteen tackles and successful tackles in the whole game, and. Um, compare that to last season at the Etihad, we made 29, and that wasn't exactly a tackle fest. It was, you know, you have an attack, we'll have an attack. So that sort of shows you they weren't. Now, you could say the way the game transpired, they weren't able to get close enough to City because City were able to pass it round you. So, you know, you can't just lunge in. Um, but I think it showed the lack of sort of real, sort of as a team dynamic, pressing the ball and getting into situations where um, you were wanting to. Um, be able to put in a, a decent tackle. You know, tackling is not everything. You, you can, as I said in the piece, you can defend in many ways, blocking off passing lanes, shadowing, jockeying, all sorts of things. Um, but um, I just think when you're in that situation, fans would have wanted to see someone, um, you know, really, you know, try and make a little bit of a statement that we're still here. And the whole second half felt like we're not here at all. And that, that 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 was frustrating, and um, it's not that this Liverpool midfield I think is is a bad midfield, and 
you know they've they've actually started the season really well. That Chan Wijnaldum, um Henderson trio. When last season we were worried that it lacked creativity, the the the, the arrival of Salah to to invigorate that front three has has helped those other three. So well, that, um, that that's the irony is that they haven't lacked creativity. If you look at the facts, Liverpool have played I think it's just six games, six games a season, and they've conceded eleven goals, which suggests that they probably need to do a bit more work defensively. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean yes, we've, that, that's not something that uh, has gone on missed by you know by anyone really, and or by the supporters. And the, the, this, of course, is why they they tried so hard to to bring about a change in personnel and bring bring Virgil Van Dijk into. Well, the I wasn't necessarily on about the defence. It was on about the way that the, we mentioned it before, how the midfield helped the defence. I mean, Joe, do you do you feel as though they, given the personnel, uh, they, they can do more than what they're doing now? Oh, certainly, yeah. I mean, I. I'm, I'm a big defender of, of Jordan Henderson. I like him. I like Wijnaldum and I like Cham, but I don't think those three are a midfield that are going to charge around putting in tackles and fighting fires, are they? They're a midfield that, when you're playing well at home, they come to the fore. And they're also... They're not a physical midfield, are they? They're, they're guys who, like Andy said, there's different ways of defending. I think Jordan Henderson's more suited to making interceptions. He's quite quick across the ground in that sort of area. Um but I do think Liverpool could have done with someone, and maybe Naby Keita would have been the man, is to make to sort of be physically more involved in a game, to make more tackles, and to stamp their authority on a game. And I don't think they've got that in, in midfield. I'd like to see Chan do more of that. I think Chan's a big, strong lad. I thought I'd Chan like did. That. Chan was probably the best of the of the, of the midfielders, even when he did drop back into into well, centre back, which was a bit you know cold sweat for anybody who remembers yeah, yeah. some of the performances under Brendan Rodgers. Genuinely, when uh, Jonesy was on on player ratings on Saturday and it was only when he sent the player ratings across to, to Joe and I back in the office that I remembered Ginny Wijnaldum was on the pitch and I, <laughs> I, I, I said to you you know I, I, I actually had forgotten he played and he has those games why not? That, that's the way he is he's a touch player yeah. he's a touch player he's not somebody as Joe said who gets massively involved in the physicality and when he does he tends to try and do a bit too much. Yeah, he'll, yeah. he'll go in for like a challenge and he'll try and muscle somebody up to show his a little bit like uh, Jose Enrique used to do that yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Show his strength. He's got yeah. it, mm-hmm. but he just he prefers to you know use the ball rather than use his strength most of the time. Some, someone on Twitter called him in the ghost, and uh, I think he does have those ghost games, doesn't he? I mean, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's entirely down to home and away. We have seen him play some good games away for Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Uh, his goal scoring tends to be home or away, but in terms of good performances, we have seen some away. But Saturday was one of those that where everything, um, you know, for him and for the team went wrong. And the other thing I did mention in, in, in that piece I wrote yesterday was that you know, this can happen to good sides. Mm. It doesn't mean you're a terrible side to get beat 5-0, and let's not overreact to it. Um, Ricey, who's one of, our, uh, one of our sub-editors here, reminded me um, of a game in late 1976. When, Aston Villa. Aston Villa, when uh, Liverpool, who were champions at the time, uh, Paisley's team went to Villa and were 5 0 down at half time. Uh, won the second half, 1 0, but uh, still ended up getting beat 5 1. That was December uh, evening game, December 76. When they, when they won the treble in 84, they got beat 4 0 at Coventry yeah. just before Christmas. And, another, yeah. and there are these games, and you know, that, that Liverpool 76 side obviously a few months later won the European Cup and the league, and barring a you know, very unlucky cup final defeat, would probably go down as. Yeah, well, probably. Yeah, this is one of the great careers of any football team, isn't it? So, um, so let we don't need to get carried away. Um, what we need now is to see that the issues that were raised by Saturday, in terms of um, 
you know, a little bit of different sense of fight and, and how they approached playing with 10 men and trying to get something out of the game were the, were the things that stuck for me then. Um, and also, obviously, the, the defensive issues, whether those were caused by personnel in defence or by failure of the midfield to protect them, as you were talking about, Ian, and Klopp was talking about, then you know, those are issues they'll want to look at. Um, but um, it could, this game could easily have gone down a different road if Liverpool take their early chances. And um, but it didn't. The reality is what it is. Now we need to deal with that and and not let it become a cloud over what's been a reasonably good start to the season. Speaking of ghosts, Joe, um, it kind of passed the attention of most people that Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain made his debut <laughs> yeah. in the second half. I must admit, I didn't really notice him do a great deal, but he wasn't the only one. It was very difficult for him to come in. I mean, as a postscript, he, when he made his Arsenal debut, was the 8 2 defeat. Yeah, yeah. United, so I'm glad he's got this one out of the way. Yeah, it's not but, at the easiest of times. Yeah, but, but he's, you know, he, he wasn't his fault, was he? <laughs> no, 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 Ian, it wasn't. Um, no, it's very difficult for him. Um, yeah, I, there's not much to add on him, really, as he, he didn't really do a lot. He, he was chasing the game then, and Liverpool were quite literally chasing, chasing Man City around the pitch and, and not getting near them. But I think Andy's just absolutely spot on there, you know. You look after the game. There's a lot of reaction. A lot of supporters very angry and upset, and and then you, they sort of pull out the old criticisms of this side: defensively weak, the midfield goes missing, up front they they're not they're not clinical enough. Um, but I, I I just argue that that defeat can be an anomaly. It can be the type of game that you can just forget about as long as they've got a good month now to to put to to really set a stamp on the season. They've got two Champions League group games, uh, a cup game, and two very what winnable. Cup is it? The, the Carabao Cup, Car- Carabao? Carabao, is it? Carabao, Carabao, Carabao Island, Cup. Yeah. And they've got two winnable league games. Now, if they come out this month, having progressed in the Carabao Cup, and, <laughs> and put themselves in a decent position in the league and in the Champions League, you forget that result, you put it down as a bit of an anomaly. They, they had a man sent off, and, and they got taught a lesson by Man City, but you don't let it define you. And it's, it's up to these players now to show character and, and show that that, that isn't them. Because I, I do take exception, you know, I get people, friends from school, I'm not going to name his name, but tweeting me afterwards. Tell us his name? Um, I'm not going to name his name, but tweeting <laughs> me afterwards and telling me that, that that result proves that such and such a player isn't good enough. And I think, well, you can't take anything from that result, you know, because that isn't, they haven't consistently been like that, have they? You know, the mm. players have played quite well this year. They've started the season well. Um, they've just absolutely destroyed Arsenal. And like, we shouldn't get a, carried away after that game. You shouldn't get carried away after this. Very briefly, Andy, there was another game on at the weekend. Liverpool under-23s played. I can't remember who they Man played. City. Man, Man City. City. Of course, it must have been, yes. Uh, they emerged victorious, but it was the sight of somebody hobbling off that uh, caused consternation. Yeah, um, Danny Ings uh, injured uh, very early in the game, actually. He was involved in a lot of physical contact, uh, Danny Ings, in the game. Went, had a few tough challenges on. But as I was watching, I was really pleased to see him sort of, you know, He'd, he'd have the wind knocked out of him and then he'd, he'd get up and, and on he'd go again. He, had, he could maybe have two or three goals in the first half, but um, around about the 35-minute mark, came over the sideline and told told the bench that, uh, uh, or in, in a conversation with the bench, decided to take him off. So um, he did stand on the uh, touchline for a couple of minutes before he went. It wasn't as if he sort of like hobbled off down the touchline. And speaking to Neil Critchley, the under-23s boss, after the game, he said it was the, the bench's decision to take him off they're just taking no chances with him he felt something early in the game um, and played on through it 
and then eventually he was he was still feeling it a bit, so they they took him off. So hopefully, good news to emerge once they you know do whatever tests they need to do on him over the next couple of days, and it won't have an impact on him. Um, he hasn't had the rush of goals in the 23s he had when he came back last season, Danny Ings. Um, he probably hasn't had as many many games as, as he did then. Obviously, he then ended up playing League Cup football and, and been injured again against Spurs. Um, so hopefully this is very much minor and that he can still progress towards hopefully taking some part in the, the Carabao Cup, obviously, is the, is the obvious tournament for him to start getting some football. Can we call it the League Cup from now on? By the I'm way? happy can we, with can that. Can we agree oh, to call yeah, it the yeah. League Cup? Yeah, yeah, the League Cup it is. Now, it's not all doom and gloom at Liverpool this week. The Champions League's back, the Joe, Champions isn't it? The Champions back, League yeah. is back. Yeah. It's severe on, uh, severe on Wednesday. Wednesday. Wednesday, not Tuesday, Jürgen. Not Tuesday, yeah. yeah. Jürgen Klopp seems to be convinced that they're playing on Tuesday and was spoke with great delight at me and <laughs> yeah. realised there was an extra day's preparation. Yeah. Um, there has been some debate... Or certainly Jurgen Klopp has done nothing to quell this debate that he may be about to do a Barcelona and rotate his goalkeepers. And that would involve Loris Carius coming in for Simon Mignolet. Now, a couple of things here. Do you feel as though that would be slightly unfair on Mignolet given the fact that it was partly due to his goalkeeping, certainly during the second half of last season at Liverpool are in the Champions League group stage and the fact he saved a penalty against Hoffenheim? Or is it just that... Klopp thinks, I've got three goalkeepers here, because there's Danny Ward as well, who, he's, who mm-hmm. didn't allow to go on loan back to Huddersfield. May as well use them all. And this is a very good way in which I can do that, because Carrius, if he does play on Wednesday, that would explain why he played against Arsenal. It's certainly Arthur, isn't it? You know, I think Klopp wants to get, he wants Carrius to get game time. Because let's face it, if he does still view Carrius in the long term as his number one, he's not going to do any good just sitting on the bench every week as he's never playing any games. So he's got to play. And you might only play two or three games in the League Cup, um, so the Champions League it gives him a it gives him a, a certain amount of games to play in. It does look like Klopp's going to do it, and the old school sort of side of me would say no, don't do that. Play your best goalkeeper. You, you'll only improve from having the goalkeeper have a good understanding with the defence. But then the other side of me would think, well, it will benefit um, Carrius long term. Although, having seen Carrius, I don't think it gives Liverpool's Champions League hopes um, the best of chances um, with him in goal. Because, to be honest, uh, yeah, he just looks um, not up to it, I think is the nicest way I can put it. Yeah, I same question to you. It's interesting, isn't it? I think in, if you take it in a one-off game and everybody's, I don't know, whatever, we have to win this game for something important. I think he'd be playing Mignolet mm-hmm. at this stage. I think he's taken a view in terms of the long-term development of the goalkeepers that, as you say, Joe, Carriers has to play. He'll probably play Danny Ward in the League Cup, won't he? Yep. yep. Um, so um, he's he's trying to juggle, as we mentioned before, the, squ- the squad. Uh, so he's going with Carriers. Did nothing against Arsenal to change my opinion that he's a nervous-looking goalkeeper and that's the last thing you want behind you if you're a, def- a defender. Did do some good sweeper-keeper stuff which I think Klopp likes, and you know we'll have to, you know, to be fair to the lad, we've got to give him a chance to you know try to make some saves when he he didn't have a save to make against Arsenal. So let, let's see how he how he how he does there. I don't think anyone's really argued the fact that he's not a good shot stopper. Okay, admittedly, anybody who saw his performances against Bournemouth and West Ham last season might suggest <laughs> otherwise, but I think but, that's down to the nerves. I think that's the one thing he's meant to be quite good at. I don't. I mean. I know what you're saying about Mignolet on Saturday, but I actually think, think the one of the things that, and I've generally been a big defender of Mignolet, I actually think 
when a, when an attacker like Aguero is one on one with him, I never think he's going to stop it. Um, a bit like Denver Bar, whatever. I when think he it's a bit the other through. way around. It's about oh, yeah. the, when when Sergio Aguero is through with anybody, I never think he's not going to yeah. score. It's like there's certain players Liverpool have had, like Gibral Cisse. I'd never ever thought he was ever going to score when he was yeah. clean through. But with Mignolet, there was like was it was it <laughs> was it Nias who was clean through for for a whole last season? Was it yeah, Nias? Yeah. I think it was and. And I never thought he was going to see of that either. But that was a bit of a lucky goal, though, wasn't it? He kind of jammed it, didn't he? Yeah. A little bit. I know. And Mignolet made a couple of good saves on Saturday. The one sprawling across his goal. And to be honest, on the third goal, he sprawls across the goal when, when Aguero squares it to Jesus. And I, people said Jesus did it on purpose. I think it was a lucky... He mishits it, He mishits yeah, it and yeah. it bounces it, actually... Bobbles over. Why, why didn't Aguero have a shot? By the way, he was like, he was in. Yeah. I, don't, he, yeah. I, I suspect Guardiola's been all about, you know, total football. That's the, you know, it's you, Manchester you, City's holistic approach. Yeah, exactly, yes. something like that. But um, so I don't think Mignolet had the best game. Obviously, he got beat on his near post for one, albeit it was well swept in. But, um, but that's, all this is irrelevant though, because so, he could have had the best game ever, and he and, still wouldn't. If if Fort were led to believe, he still wouldn't be playing against yeah, City on Wednesday. Agreed, but I think it sort of it makes me feel. But you know, if Mignolet had had the best game ever, I would have just thought the decision to bring in Carriers was more ridiculous than than I do at the moment. Where how, I can, how ridiculous is that? On a scale of one to ten, I think it's probably a three in terms of ridiculous at this stage, because I see the I see the the need. If 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 this happens, by the way, I mean, there's no certainty it will, but it looks like that's the mood music. Uh, I see the the need to the need to progress your other goalkeeper. Um, it's a very continental thing to do. Of course, one of the teams we've seen it do in the past was Sevilla against us in the Europa League final. They had they had two different goalkeepers who they were they had a European goalkeeper who obviously played. Well, on Arsenal the did it last year, and Barcelona have done it for yeah. for a few years, but they didn't do it last year. Real Madrid though won the Champions League with Keylor Navas and won the league, and he he just stays in goal. Yeah, yeah uh, it's. It's interesting. Um, Will it's one of those, you know, if if Carius was to make if, to play and make a howler, well, we don't need to worry about what we'll be talking about on Thursday. But that, then he's got to be in. He'd argue, well, I've got to be in the team to make a mistake. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think everyone listening, make up your mind. If 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 he's going to play Carius, make up your mind on the decision before the game, and say. Yeah, I, I see he's trying to develop our second goalkeeper. I can see that. I'm happy with the decision. And then whatever happens, that's your opinion. Don't wait to see if Carrius has a good game or a bad game and then make up your mind. Um, I, I, I don't think it's a, a, a terrible decision, but it's not. But, it, but if, it, if it goes down that road, I can see the need to, to progress the second goalkeeper. Um, but the Champions League's a very big tournament to be, to mm. be doing it in. Um, but... I think the manager presumably sees him in training every day and has confidence that he's he's in a place to do it. Well, if they, if they do want to tell us, they can vote on that, yeah, in the poll yeah. in the article that I've written. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's out of 10, what would be your ridiculousness level if Carriers does play? Andy says three. Yeah, not... I'm going with seven. I'm five. I'm just going to go middle of the road. But, <laughs> but I, and, and he makes a good point in the sense that if you thought, if Klopp believed that Mignolet was his long-term goalkeeper, do you think that he'd be doing stuff like this? No. If it was just if he had Carius as his number one and then just a, any old number two, he wouldn't just bring him in. He clearly doesn't feel that he trusts Mignolet in the long, long term and wants to get Carius involved so that eventually he will succeed as as the number one goalkeeper. Well, he wouldn't, so, have, sat, wouldn't have signed Carius, would he? No, he wouldn't have signed Carius. Yeah. So, so it, whatever, however well Mignolet plays, 
Klopp's always going to have some sort of doubts over him because we know that he wanted someone else to be his number one, didn't he? Mm. Well, I mean, putting the goalkeeper issue aside, it's a. I mean, we should just be excited about having the Champions League back at Anfield, shouldn't we? And it's 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 probably it's the, the on paper the hardest side in the group that mm. we're starting off with, albeit at home. Sevilla have another look at their results. Start the season had a three 0 win on Saturday. A um, couple of familiar names to people in there. They've got, they've got Nalito, um, who obviously we've seen in the Premier League, and and uh, Jesus Navas is, is there. Um, King, of, King got, of the running down the wing and hitting a low cross to nobody. <laughs> yeah. Nalito got himself a goal and an assist on Saturday in a three 0 win over Ibar. I think it was. They're, they're unbeaten to start the season. Uh, they, they had a win and a draw against the Turkey side in the qualifier, and they've I think they've had two wins and a draw in the Primera Division. So um, playing well, obviously another new manager this season. Um, uh, the, uh, the previous one headed off to manage Argentina, didn't he? So they he did, in, yes. Uh, brought in another Argentinian. So um, it's a really interesting game. Sevilla are one of those sides who we saw in, in the incredible achievement of winning three Europa Leagues that they know how to play European football. And while the personnel has changed, not all of them, they seem to play a sort of four-one-four-one with um, holding players either in Zonzi, who we saw in the Europa League final, or I think it's Pizarro is the other one. So um, they they will know what they're doing, and, it, and it's going to be a tough night. And obviously, Mane is available for the game, so um, Liverpool and Klopp can pretty much go into the game, hopefully, um, at full strength as long as no issues are, are, uh, come out Saturday. Well, we'll finish then just on the team selection for the game. Mm. I think Joe, you said that you wanted to do was it Gomez playing in at right? No, I would actually. I play no, you Trent. say Trent. Sorry, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Sorry, you say you played Trent. Presumably, mm. we played Lovren yeah, in there if he's fit. Yeah. He should be okay along Matip. Who are we having yeah. at left back? Robertson definitely. I would have put Robertson in. Yeah. 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 Really? Yeah. I mean, I know he hasn't played European football, but he's played okay. Yeah. Everyone's gonna have like international football for Scotland, but it is you know it is playing on a on a on a different stage than domestic football. I also think. The way that Klopp will want to play in the night that um, Robertson's um, paced on that side. I know Moreno's quick as well, but I think the way he picked the team for Saturday, I have a feeling that that would have been with an eye to Wednesday. So I have a notion that while I would go with with Joe again, and and I was adamant that he should have played Trent on Saturday because I think he's the he is a will be a much better fullback than Joe Gomez because. I see Joe do you Gomez. still do you still see Trent as a fullback by the way? Because I, I must admit I don't. I don't see him as a fullback, and I think that kind of underlined it that performance against. Okay, it wasn't entirely his fault, but I don't think his future long term is at fullback. I well, think his future now to get in the team will be at fullback. Yeah, well, well, exactly. Where he's going to play is fullback. I mean, in two seasons, if he's playing midfield, then no one's going to be surprised. You know, I watched a lot of him for the 18s playing on the right of a front of a of a three behind the front man. So, and you know, his crosses from there were massive part of that team who were always brilliant to watch so he he needs yeah, he needs to improve as a full back but I think that's where he's going to play his football for now and I think he's still he's still a much better full back than Joe Gomez because Joe Gomez for me is, is his centre back in waiting okay. well I'd have Gomez at right back and I think there's going to have to be a, I think Milner will play somewhere and whether that's in midfield or it's at left back I don't know I mean who are we going to say the top the front three Front three remains the same. Now, the question now is, Klopp mentioned him after the game, Philip Coutinho, he's back, he's available, he's probably going to be in contention for this one because they've had a few more training sessions. 
Do you put him straight in? I'd leave Wijnaldum out, I think. So you uh, you put Coutinho in for Wijnaldum? Coutinho in for Wijnaldum, I'd yeah. leave Wijnaldum or Chan. I suspect Klopp might put Coutinho in for Salah, maybe, and play him. I think I think um, to, to protect I think Salah because of Mane's, because Mane's injury, injury. Yeah, sorry, Mane's suspension. I mean that he, he might rely on Salah more in the league. I think yeah. Milner will play somewhere. It may be in place of one Alden in midfield. Mm-hmm. I think, but Robertson. I don't think. No, I don't. I would put Robertson. I think Moreno might play. I think Moreno might play. He might play Moreno. Um, yeah. But I mean, massive. We, it's difficult after Saturday to have the level of excitement that probably would have mm. would have had. But, I think there um, will be, to be fair. I think yeah, it'll, it'll be, it's going to be night. five days after the game, and I think people will be quite happy to. They'll have got the City game out of the system, and they'll be looking forward yeah. to, the, to the Champions League. And the music yeah. will crank in, and we'll all be there and going, well, this is what all last season was about, getting back here. And I hope that Liverpool can... And Klopp's always spoken about that. He, he believes that there is a mental strength within the players, and I hope they've got that mental strength to park Saturday and not let it... You know, as Joe said, not let it become sort of defi- defining uh, in terms of this part of the season. Park it, and the best way to get over it is to go and if you sit there and get three points to start your Champions League group against the team who probably most threatens you in terms of qualification. Um, that be still end it can still end up being a very good week for Liverpool if they do that yeah. and then go and beat Burnley. Yeah, I think that should do us. Uh, join us later this week where we will look back at the Sevilla game and Liverpool's return to the Champions League and ahead to Burnley on Saturday. Cheerio.